We are headed into the weekend, and we are ready to fish. The waters are clear. People have got their boats out, and they're going for panfish. Hey, there's going to be a lot more people out there next week, and we'll talk more about that next week. But fishing license sales are up 41% almost two weeks before the May 9th Walleye and Pike opener from the same time last year, and license sales for youths age 16 and 17 up 82%. Going to have a lot of people out fishing. Nothing wrong with that, but do be responsible and socially distant. And with more people maybe out on the accesses waiting to get in the water, be patient. One of the best places to go fishing is certainly Leech Lake. That's one of the gems of Paul Bunyan Country and one of the lakes we spend a lot of time prior to the opener taking a look at. And that's what we will do today. Doug Schultz, the area fisheries supervisor out of the Walker office, has all the details next. Thank God it's Friday, gonna cast out a line in the happy afternoon. Sun is flying oh so high. I'm a peaceful kind of guy, most usually. But I'm hunting all the fishes in the deep blue sea. Making sure my bait is all nice and stinky. Gonna add a little, let it make the bait go sinky. We can wait another day to do the patchwork laundry. Cause now we go on fishing for Bunyan Country. Welcome back to Fishing Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. We're celebrating our 30th year. Well, we're checking in with Doug Schultz. He's the Walker Area Fisheries Manager. And uh, as always, we like to kick off the year with taking a look at some of the the really important waters in Paul Bunyan Country. And, Doug, uh, certainly Leech Lake is. So thanks for taking the time to share with us about Leech Lake today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me here, Kevin. Well, Doug, we were just talking before we got on the air that uh, we've been podcasting this show now the last few years, and we've really uh, got a lot of audience now outside of the uh, the Bemidji area, and even outside to some degree the state of Minnesota, people who are uh, familiar with this area, like this area, but maybe haven't been around along or, or have, don't know the history. And so uh, I wanted to go over once again um, what happened a good 15 years ago to Leech Lake. Um, we had a real tough situation, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Amazing to see where Leech Lake is now compared to what was going on then. Uh, give us a quick history, if you would. Yeah, that, that you know that it seems like it's been a lifetime ago already. And uh, you know, I got, I got here in 2007 where, when things were just starting to turn around. So, um, so for the folks that aren't familiar, um, Leech Lake, third largest lake in the state of Minnesota, a really good uh, walleye, musky destination for a lot of folks. Um, we had uh, uh, cormorants recolonize on the lake in the mid-1990s, and uh, within a few years they really started taking off, and um, the population peaked at over 2,500 nesting pairs in uh, 2004, so we we basically went from uh, literally a handful of nesting pairs in 97, 98 to 2,500, so in about a seven-year seven time span. Um Fishing declined significantly uh, during the the cormorant uh, increase, and uh, you know there were there were a lot of hardships endured by folks around here in the resort community, the local businesses, as tourism dropped off because fishing quality had suffered. And it it took us a while to nail down with data uh, what was really going on. Uh, we started doing cormorant control in 2005 under a federal permitting system, and um, Within two years, the fishery was rebounding uh, considerably. We had also stocked walleye fry at the same time. 
uh, within a couple of years, the fishery was starting to rebound, and uh, by 2009 and 10, we actually saw our, our peaks in walleye catch and harvest rates. So we had a couple of real strong year classes produced once they got some relief from cormorant predation, uh, filled that big void that had been created by some weak year classes before them, and um, really did well, grew well. Fishing uh, turned around pretty quickly, and we've been pretty much on a on a stable course ever since. Uh, we also used some special harvest regulations, uh, initially a 18 to 26 inch protective slot limit on walleye. That was also implemented in 2005, and um, we've since been incrementally relaxing that regulation. And uh, with cormorant management continuing, the walleye population has continued to stay very stable and, and healthy and in really good shape. I think one of the, the most amazing things when you when you think about this is what a difference you know the, the cormorants show up and all of a sudden it affects so many things and the process of figuring out how to control that uh like you say it took some time uh but it's been very successful yeah and, you know we've really just in the last five six years been piecing it all together not just locally but also across the country uh, I've I've been working uh, with with directly with folks from the Fish and Wildlife Service and other state management agencies and even a couple in Canada uh, on this issue. Um, it's it's not a, a common one uh, that we've had to encounter over the history of fisheries management. And uh, just because you have cormorants present on on your lake doesn't mean you have a problem. In fact, we manage for 500 nesting pairs and we're doing quite well. Uh, with 500 nesting pairs present, so it's um, it's been a, a, a challenge. But uh, the good news is we've really started to piece a lot of things together. And when you start looking at you know Leech Lake in Minnesota and Oneida Lake in New York and Lachino Islands in, in Michigan on Lake Huron and, and some other systems as well, uh, where we have the data, the way the the, the pattern has repeated almost like a sheet of music hmm. at very different places geographically and in different periods in time. And the way that has repeated has been remarkable. And so we're, we're really starting to get a good handle now on, on what to look for. And then uh, from a management perspective, you know, that's the next question is what's the best first thing to do uh, in, in terms of corrective action. And, and that's really where our focus is going now. You know, um, uh, and to clarify, what, what's been happening, the, the cormorants were, were eating, what, young walleyes and also perch, which, of course, the walleyes need. Yeah, perch are about 70% of the average diet here on leech for cormorants. And walleyes were only 2 to, I think, 2 to about 8% of the diet on average by mass or by weight. So, you know, you look at that difference and say, well, how are walleyes being impacted? But it when we re- when we really started digging into it a few years ago, it wasn't the predation on the young year walleyes that was causing the problem. It was the predation on the yearlings and the two-year-olds in the spring when birds arrived and started nesting. Um, that was mortality that normally did not exist. And, and because a year class is basically set the first winter, so, you know, your age zero fish hatch, they grow your first summer, and a lot of times how big they get going in the winter has has pretty strong influence on how many of those are going to persist the subsequent years. Um, they get through that first winter, 
when most of that mortality on a year class occurs, that's kind of when a year class gets established. And then from there, it's just the normal natural processes that works its way through. Well, what we were getting was that extra mortality at ages one and ages two and even a little bit at age three that wasn't present before. And that predation is what was having the impact of suppressing recruitment to the fishery, you know, because those fish don't hit the fishery until about age three. Um, they're just were less available to anglers. Okay. I also watched in, in, in awe as Red Lake recovered. Uh, there are some similarities. The bottom line problem was the same, a lack of walleyes. What caused it was two different things, but the things that were in common was y- People needed to work together in a multi-jurisdictional way, and the recovery of both uh, waters has been amazing. Yeah, and it's it's really been a, a remarkable story, and, and you know we're continuing to learn along the way. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we run into some of these challenges where you know we don't have the answer because we haven't been on that road before, and and uh, you know our our goal is to make sure that we learn. Uh, along the way so that we can do it better the next time and you know that requires some patience and and that doesn't always sit well with everyone especially if you know if your business is very dependent on that resource but uh you know that's that's just it 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 comes with the territory unfortunately i've often said as i've talked to guys in the dnr and and other uh, biologists it's a good thing you don't need instant gratification because in your business it takes patience yeah and it's it's uh you know, for every bad year class that happens, the probability of, of the next one being bigger goes up. I mean, it's just, it, it really is a, it's a challenge. We work in, in one-year increments, which, uh, you know, most of the world these days works quite a bit faster than that. A lot more Leech Lake to come with Doug Schultz, the area fishery supervisor out of the Walker office. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Just a week away from the walleye opener, one of the great walleye lakes in Paul Bunyan Country, one of the great lakes of all sorts in Paul Bunyan Country, is Leech Lake. And as always, we're checking in with Doug Schultz, the Walker Area Fishery Supervisor, with all the details on this gem. This is Fish in Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tower. Uh, let's talk about where we're at as we enter 2020 on Leech Lake. Um, obviously, the lake is very healthy, really, across the board with all of your important species. Yeah, we're sitting in really good shape. Uh, the walleye population, we've had uh, only one weak year class in the last five years. And, in fact, the 2019 uh, year class last year was looking pretty good coming in. So uh, we're expecting fishing should hold up pretty good uh, for a while uh, into the future. Uh, the gillnet catch rate was hanging in our uh, expected range. Uh, right at eight and a half fish per net. Uh, recall we did uh, relax the regulation last year to four fish in possession. Uh, only one fish over 20 inches can be in possession, so we basically got rid of the slot limit, uh, got a little more liberal with harvest opportunities, and folks really took advantage of that. And um, we saw our catch rate go down from 10 per net to eight and a half per net, which is kind of where we wanted to be anyway. So we're sitting really good there. Um, Pike population is still holding very stable, right around four to six fish per net, uh, with uh, some quality-sized fish present. And, um, you know, yellow perch population, we finally had our, our first uptick in a while in abundance there. 
uh, backed up to back up to 16 fish per net lake wide. So that was encouraging because uh, one of the reasons for making the regulation change was to reduce some of that walleye biomass that we had out there that was built up under the protective regulations and try to take a little bit of predation pressure off of yellow perch. So theoretically it's moving the right direction the first year. We'll we'll see how that continues to play out, but uh you know certainly the fishery is is uh, really run on all cylinders right now. And you have chosen uh, to stay with the four fish limit and I'm exp- I'm guessing that's probably not going to change. Not this year, no. It's going to stay the same for another year. We you know, we had a pretty tough winter up here. And I know you know this, but for the listeners, uh, you know, we were unable to get around on lakes by Christmas or shortly after mm-hmm. uh, this year. The snow got deep, the slush was terrible, and it, frankly, it saved a lot of fish from harvest, not just yellow perch, but walleyes and everything else. So, yeah, we have no reason to, to make any regulation change this year. Okay. So the walleyes are in good shape on leech. Um, let's talk about bass. It is a tremendous bass fishery, There's a, and, and, and really a ton of pressure on bass in this lake, but uh, it doesn't seem to matter, and you've also got a, a pretty decent uh, population of smallmouth bass in that lake now. Yeah, and, and, you know, one of the unique things about Leech Lake is the diversity of the major bays on the lake. So, you know, if you're going to chase largemouth bass, for example, Steamboat Bay, uh, you know, the cabbage edges up in Sucker Bay, and in particular, Boeing Headquarters Bays behind Bear Island are, are really some of the best places to look. Uh, a lot of wild rice, a lot of vegetation, shallow water. You know, they, they really do well in that those environments. Uh, and we'll see, you know, bass up to 20 inches isn't uncommon on, on this lake. Um, and, and we get a lot of non-resident anglers who uh, come here uh, just to fish bass, which is pretty pretty remarkable. Uh, and then in terms of smallmouth, we still don't see very many of them in our sampling gear, but, uh, you know, what we're hearing from anglers is they are increasing. They are starting to, you know, encounter them and, and catch them a little more frequently. And, and with zebra mussels showing up now on Leech Lake, it's I think it's only a matter of time as that water clears up. Smallmouth are really going to take off out here because of the amount of shallow rock habitat that we have out in that main lake basin. I, I think it's just, it's ideal for smallmouth. They've always been present, but uh, have always been held in check by you know, whatever uh, environmental or, or biological uh, limitation was present, I think they're going to gonna really explode here in the near future. Okay. Um, also um, noted uh, Leech Lake specialty is muskies. And uh, the last few years has been really good. Lots of action on there. And, you know, I, t- I, t- I always take a look at the... Uh, Frank Schneider um, Muskies Inc. tournament to see what's going on, and Leach has been cranking out a lot of muskies, and the size limits, are, the sizes are, are really nice right now. Yeah, and, and we're still seeing the full size range. We have uh, tournaments that do self-reporting uh, to us of, of their catches, and so we're still seeing you know fish in the thirty-inch range showing up pretty steadily. Pretty good indication of some very consistent recruitment, and. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a exceptional musky fishery in a lot of different uh, places to fish. And, uh, you know, fish in the mid-50s, you see pictures every year uh, of guys catching fish in the mid, mid-50s. So it's it's a pretty remarkable resource. 
Uh, yeah, it, it really is. And in fact, uh, is it not your muskies that uh, the rest of the state is using to, <laughs> to fill up their musky lakes? Well, they're not my muskies. They belong to all of us, Kevin. But, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, the leech is, uh, is the brood source for the statewide program. And uh, we'll actually be taking musky eggs next year, 2021 in the spring, uh, assuming the uh, plans are unchanged. Uh, we do that once every four years to put fresh genetics into the broodstock lakes where we do our annual egg takes for muskies. So uh, Lake Rebecca down in the cities, for example, is one of those. Um, Bemidji's got uh, Big and I think Little Wolf. There's a handful, or Plantagenet. Uh, there's a handful of lakes out there uh, where we do the annual egg take operations and, and leach we just uh, we go in once every four. <laughs> Spotlight is on Leech Lake. A lot of boats on there this weekend, even more next weekend. Doug Schultz, the Walker Area Fishery Supervisor, my guest. This is Fishing Paul Bunyan Gutry, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Doug, we hear so much about the muskies, the walleyes, and the bass that we forget it's got great populations of several other fish. Some parts of the lake have some great bluegill populations and sizes, and uh, there's some great crappie fishing on Leech Lake, too. Yeah, and in fact, it's so good that uh, we're proposing this summer to uh, implement a five-fish possession limit for both sunfish and crappies. So it would be five fish of each species or each type in possession uh, as a bag limit reduction. Uh, we'll be soliciting comments on that here this fall. The uh, the size quality uh, out here is is pretty exceptional. There's not many places where you can find that uh, quality of sizes of both bluegills and crappies in northern Minnesota. So uh, that's something we've heard from from our uh, input group that we meet with every year, a stakeholder input group. Uh, they really wanted us to uh, pursue this. And we kind of parked it for a couple of years to let the statewide process play out. And, um, you know, it's, we're going to go this lake, lake-specific lake management approach. So uh, we've put it on the table, and, and we're going to be soliciting comments here uh, this fall. Okay. What about northerns? I mean, with so many species, and northerns always the last one anybody talks about. Do people fish for northerns on leech? They do. It's a, uh, The targeted effort's a smaller percentage obviously compared to some of the other species but uh we'll see you know seeing here about some 40 inch fish coming out every year okay um you know it's a it's a, a phenomenal fishery one of the unique things about leech lake is that so many different bays and and really uh so many different styles of fishing depending on the bay you're in can you give us just kind of a, a uh, an idea what was this were these several different bodies of water at one time that have formed into one lake or or is it just what what's the story there do you know well the uh so back in the early cast expeditions in the mid 1800s leech lake was about 105,000 acres 102,000 acres somewhere in there and then when the dam was built i think in 1884 uh, where federal dam is located now uh, the outlet uh, on the Leech Lake River, which flows into the Mississippi River. Uh, when that was built, that raised the water level about three to four feet. Okay. So if you can, and, and then increase the surface area to about 112,000 acres where we're at now. Okay. So if you think about places like Steamboat Bay and Boyan Headquarters Bays, which are for the most part, a lot of that's only about four or five feet deep in the first place, you know, those would have been giant seas 
of wild rice. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, since the water level came up, you know, now that's more accessible for fish and, you know, the vegetation has shifted around a little bit. Rice is still very prominent, but probably not as much as it was way back when. Um, that That's probably been the biggest change. Uh, you know, Cabacona Bay, I don't know if that would have been connected or not, or probably not navigable. I don't know. But, uh, and we're still seeing the effects of some of that with, with some shoreline erosion and things like that, of, of the water come water levels being raised over, you know, well over 100 years ago. Okay. Um, but uh, it, it is interesting. I mean, if you want lots of different variety, you just have to pop into Leech Lake and, and then just visit a few different bays because there's different, you know, Walker Bay is so much different from, you know, uh, some of the bays over the western side of the lake. It's just, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and, it, you know, if you like to fish vertical, uh, the deep water or the sharper breaks and, and a lot of underwater structure in Walker Bay and Agency Bay and, and even Cabacona Bay to some extent, uh, that, that really suits that fishing style. If if you prefer to stay on the move, uh, do a lot of trolling. You know, you got Sucker and Portage Bays, for example. Um, and then the rest of that main lake habitat, uh, the rock complex is out in, uh, out in the main lake by Pelican Island. Uh, in that area uh, that really suits uh, vertical fishing drifting that sort of stuff so there there are a lot of a lot of different options on how to how to find fish in a, in a given day okay what um, are some concerns you have on leech lake these days well zebra mussels you know we, I mentioned that before we're, we're expecting them to really start taking off now uh, we're, we've seen and here this last fall reports of them on docks and stuff from pretty much around the entire lake so it's it's not a question of if but when and, and we're thinking it's going to happen here pretty soon and then um the impact they have on the food web and and ultimately the end product is going to be the fish community and, and what kind of sport fish are present and that's why we're thinking smallmouth are really going to take off and do well um you know as water clarity incre- increases they're more of a sight feeder you know walleye are a low light feeder they don't like clear water um we also have ample rock habitat spine substrate out there for smallmouth and then we have very abundant crayfish populations which are preferred by smallmouth particularly for adult fish so uh, you know the table's really set i think for for this to be a, a, a pretty impressive smallmouth fishery in the future talking about zebra mussels what would be the biggest impact they would have on on leech lake it's going to be the impacts they have to the food web. So okay. you're going to see your water clear up quite a bit. You know, usually we're hanging around 12, 14 feet water clarity midsummer. Uh, it's been as low as eight, but it's usually in that 12 foot range. Um, that could move as much as to 20 feet. And um, you, you start thinking about trying to, you know, fish walleyes during the daytime uh, when water clarity. When you can see the bottom of the lake in 20 feet of water, that's going to present some challenges. And uh, both in terms of where those fish move to and uh, also how anglers start start attacking that uh, on cast lake they're seeing a shift towards more night effort at least that's what they think and we're really expecting the same thing to play out here uh particularly for walleyes um you know if you're a musky fisherman you're you're going to be challenged to fish clear water on a on a flat day when the wind isn't blowing uh, they're going to see the boat put the brakes on i've had it happen more times than i can count um you know, we're just we're going to have to do things a little little bit differently. 
uh, when it comes to fishing. Yep. What about other AIS? Are there other AIS concerns on leach? Uh, Eurasian water milfoil is really established now uh, in the lake proper, and, and so there, folks are going to run into different beds of that, and obviously they can find some largemouth and maybe some panfish hanging around those. Um, those are the big two. We don't have spiny water fleet yet. Um, yeah, and we don't have quaggas in the state yet, so those are really the big, big two that we're dealing with right now. You know, just you, you wish you you wish you could avoid it, of course. But when you have a lake that has that much traffic, with people coming from all over the state, and you know maybe the entire Upper Midwest bringing their boats, it's pretty hard to in this day and age to to fight it all off. Yeah, and you know, credit to Cass County and and the local lake association and some other groups that have really been stepping up to increase public awareness. Uh, increased inspection efforts, and, uh, you know, really just help inform people that, you know, our actions do have consequences. Yeah. Uh, anything else we haven't covered about leech you'd like to make sure people know? Nothing off the top of my head. Uh, last summer we we saw the most pressure we've had out here in, in over a decade, and um, really expected more of the same again this year. I think uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good year of fishing on leech. Well, I know that uh, a lot of concerns over the last couple of years that you were going to get additional pressure as things tightened up on Mille Lacs as they try to get that fixed over there, um, and you, 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 that has played out, hasn't it? Well, I, I don't know if it's because of Mille Lacs or how much you could attribute to Mille Lacs versus the regulation change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when the fish bite, people tend to show up anyway. <laughs> And, and, and actually, uh, to that point, Kev, Mille Lacs, uh, I think, had some of their highest winter fishing effort they've ever had uh, this past winter once their ice got good. Yeah. Because everything, you know, north of 210 all the way up to just about Lake of the Woods, you couldn't hardly get out. So we're all moving around. <laughs> well, yeah, and in this day and age, uh, you find out about the hot bite in, in very short order, so it doesn't take long. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants to go over the fish biting. Doug Schultz is the area fisheries manager out of the Walker office, giving us a scoop on Leech Lake, one of the uh, premier fisheries, certainly in the entire upper Midwest. Just a beautiful lake with a lot of things to catch. Hey, Doug, thanks for the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. Fish hail, barn, yeah, country, country. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 3. It was my first time traveling alone. Packed my car with hiking boots, a camera, and my dog, Randy. I don't know what I was searching for. Maybe it was something new, with adventure. Maybe it was the idea of vacation I would never expect, filled with wildlife, national parks, rivers. Whatever it was I set out to find, it was all there and more. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.